We stood in respect a few moments ago to hear Jesus speak about his promised Holy Spirit. And just a moment ago, we heard of how that Holy Spirit came. It's important. We celebrate. We remember. And now we ask the famous Lutheran question, what does this mean? Let's think about that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy birthday. Anybody got a birthday today? Ah, it proves the point. Nobody Saturday, nobody at 8 o'clock, at least nobody was brave enough even today to say, today's the birthday. According to an impeccable source, Google says that this is the most uncommon birthday whether it was yesterday in particular or even today on its heels, it's true, except, at least I figure it's true, but I can tell you that it is an important birthday, the birthday we remember today of the Christian church. That's what Pentecost is. And the book of Pentecost starts out with a bang. Chapter 1 provides the transition from Jesus' ministry to what happens next. But chapter 2 is the big bang in terms of the Christian church. It is his birthday, its birthday. Jesus lived. He was born, he lived, he did his work. He died. He died at the hands of those who did not believe him. But he rose again, as we've talked about. He appeared to people over and over again, over 40 days, and he taught them. And then, then he ascended into heaven. And as he did, he handed over his mission to 12 men standing on a hill. 12 men received and began phase two of God's great drama in all of history. Ten days after that event of Jesus returning to heaven, as they stared into the sky, Jesus returning to rule over all the earth, and especially the church, ten days after the ascension, Jesus' promise came true. He sent his Holy Spirit, and he sent him with great power. And that Holy Spirit delivered it. He delivered it in a very dramatic way just as really how Joel spoke about it years ago and as Jesus predicted it. I, I, I wish I had been there. I mean, don't you think, as we heard that read, that you would have liked to be there with me to see all this confusion, but to see all these wonderful things that happened, tongues that looked like fire over the disciples' heads, a violent rushing wind sweeping through the place, and then people beginning to speak in different languages. Disciples, Peter, Peter, the, the fisherman, the everyday guy. He must have been instructed well by Jesus during those 40 days because suddenly he stood up in front of a great crowd and he began to speak eloquently, about who Jesus was, what he did, what all it meant. And a great crowd, you bet. Acts tells us, Luke, the author, 
3,000 people, more than 3,000 were baptized that day, having repented of their sins and confessing their faith in Jesus. The underlying force, seen only in some ways like fire and wind, was the Holy Spirit, the Spirit unseen in person, but seen by his demonstration of power, ushered in a new phase of the new age, an age which began with Jesus and as he handed off the mission, phase two of that mission given into our hands. A lot of things changed and a lot of things still change for the better, for the good. I know when I, and when you hear the word change, I don't know, sometimes there's a little uh, tingle in our hearts, and not a good one. Sometimes it's a little trepidation when we hear the word and we begin to think about the dynamic, and especially when we begin to experience change. It's a dirty word in many people's language. It's a nasty concept as it often takes root and begins its work. But decades later, centuries later, and a couple of millennial later, we can rejoice as we look back at the change that took place on that day of Pentecost. And that change continues to this day. And so we can rejoice. It was exactly how Peter described it, looking to what Joel said, and not just Joel, but God through the prophet Old Testament Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The age that unfolded beginning with Pentecost and described all the way up until Jesus returns at the end. Change. Still, we struggle with that word, don't we? Even in light of all of this. And to a great extent, we don't like the dynamics of change. Maybe because of what you and I experience day by day. I mean, we're people of routine, aren't we? Most of us. We love, to many degrees, the status quo. Keeping things just as they are. We can deal with those. And if there's change, even a good change promise, we still tremble a little bit. And the uh, stutter, studies of uh, human behavior, those people say, even then we'd rather hang on to what we've got, even if it's not so good, than move on to something different. Reminds me of that quotation I've shared before about change. It goes, nobody likes change, <laughs> except a wet baby. <laughs> except a wet baby. And I guess it's true at so many turns. It's the gift that nobody wants, change. But, 
But listen, listen as we step back a little bit. There's only two options you realize in our world. Things are either alive or dead. There's nothing in between life and death in terms of all things that are around us. And by definition, alive means change. A rock, that's dead. There is no life in a rock. But in trees and in flowers, in the seas, those are constantly changing. And you and me, living people, whether we realize it or not, and sometimes we do as we age and as we go through various difficulties and injuries, but even as we sit here, we are changing, even in unseen ways. Our skin, our cells, our brain, they're all changing even right now. And as Christians, as part of the body of Christ, the body, not just an image to be painted, but a reality, body, living Jesus Christ. Yes, we the church are people who have been changed from darkness to light, from sin to being friends with God through the work of Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. We have been changed, we are changing, and we're always going to be changing. We are. God is a God of change. Sometimes we get the mistaken notion that he's not. And whether we realize the passage or not, the prophet Malachi quoted God as saying, I, the Lord, do not change. And so we think everything is set and nothing moves. But to say that God doesn't change at all is a, is a misunderstanding. Understood correctly, I, the Lord, do not change, speaks about his nature as all-powerful, as all-loving, as all-present, and, and all the rest. But his methodology, that does change. We've seen it. We continue to see it. Remember what Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and what? I am the life. Life as things move, even spiritually. Jesus began to change the world when he was here. And he handed it over to people who were living, who are alive, and to us this side of Pentecost. In the Bible, New Testament says that we are even now being transformed, changed more and more into the image of Christ. One of my favorite passages in 2 Corinthians. And over and over again, we hear grow, grow, grow up into Christ. That's being alive and that's being changed even day by day. And Paul writes on a number of occasions, I was just listening to it on the CD in my car yesterday, put off the old nature, put on the new nature, a baptismal imagery that calls and describes constant change in our life. The dry bones that Ezekiel saw became living. And all these things point to the fact of Pentecost. Pentecost where even greater changes took place. So, by definition, we change. And more even by God's design, 
we change. And we're called to change as we respond to God in all these ways. Yet it's difficult. A pastor friend of mine, who I used to rub shoulders with quite a bit, he ended up in some prominence in our church, said something that I, I, I won't forget. And this is what he said about us Lutherans, and he put it quite bluntly. He said, it's hard for a church that says, here I stand to get up and go. Here I stand, like Luther confessed, and as we latch on to that, we sometimes put that in opposition to getting up and going, to moving, to, to changing by the Spirit's power. So, so where are we with all of this? Where are we as individuals? Where are we as a congregation, St. Michael? You know, sometimes we go into change in a way that we go kicking and screaming. I think about my life. There have been a number of times when I've been kicking and screaming through the changes that uh, have confronted me. And maybe not kicking and screaming a lot, but I remember leaving home to go to ultimately to Indiana, Fort Wayne, to finish college education, and then to Missouri to continue that education, uh, vicarage internship in suburban Los Angeles, back to Missouri, then to southwestern Ontario, Canada, eastern Pennsylvania next, and then home sweet home here in Fort Wayne. While location may not change, things have continued to unfold. And maybe you can think the same. Maybe not changes locationally, state by state, job by job. That may have changed, but something, some things in your life to be sure. And I've seen you too, the Holy Spirit at work in all those things. The natural reaction is to react. The better thing is to respond. You know what reaction is, do you? That's that part of the brain that when something happens, you don't have to think about it. You just move. So you see something sailing at your face and you duck without thought. It's, it's a natural response and there's a part of the brain that triggers that automatically. But a response is measured. It's something that thinks about a change. It thinks about an incident. It weighs it and it goes from there. That's what you and I are called to, even as we are moved by the Holy Spirit. Instead, what we can do than react is to respond. And what we can do positively is to embrace the changes that are around us. Now be careful and understand, to embrace the change before that even happens, we need to determine if that change is God-pleasing. We need to work hard to understand that that change is or isn't God-directed and then to move on to the big task of either embracing or dealing with it as it is. And that's hard work. That's very difficult work. But recognize in that process that whether we think a change is good or by our measure not good, that we can embrace it because God is in control, because the Holy Spirit rules, 
over all these things. God uses everything by our measure, good or evil, by his measure, good or evil, and he brings it together. Whatever the change, he's in control. That's God. That is God. And so we can try new things. We can try them and we can do them. We need to be thoughtful and draw on the wisdom of God and make it our own. I said recently that we've been given, because the Bible says we've been given the mind of Christ. We can put that to work. God lives in us and through us the Holy Spirit moves in our minds. The goal of making disciples, of being Christ's witnesses to the world, that goal has not changed. That remains the same. Jesus' final words before he left this earth. But how we do that, the methodology that we embrace and use, that has changed in many, many ways. And it continues to change among us. We may not be moved by the Holy Spirit to speak in other languages, languages we don't even know. We may not be moved to go to foreign countries or to do things that only some do but we will be moved by the Holy Spirit. We need to listen. Listen to him as he gives us, has, and still does God's word to see what he is up to, what God is up to. We need to identify and and understand the nudges, the nudges he gives. I, I remember the nudges I got to move to be a pastor and to recognize those as from God. Nudges that we get directly inside through an inner call or even through other people. And we need to pray. We need to pray and talk with each other. And that's why we're together as Christians. We get that chance to weigh things by the power of the Spirit and to help understand them and then move to try something, even something new. You know, I'm a hockey fan, okay? And I remember there's this saying among the fans, or even the players, actually, that says it's not a matter of winning or losing. It's a matter of winning or learning. Winning or learning. Or as Wayne Gretzky once said, you got to shoot the puck if you want to score a goal. (laughs) you got to shoot it. we got to try And it's the Holy Spirit who moves us to that and empowers those efforts. If it doesn't work, we learn and we move on by the Spirit's power. That kind of change may be disruptive. It may change our day. It may change our direction. But that's okay because God is there. He is in control, even when it gets difficult, even when it's hard to swallow. What what else can we do? We can expect change and we can welcome it. We really can. And when we do, we seek God's perspective and his will in those changes, individually to do it, but also together to do it. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us, pray that he would lead us and make things plain so that we can, so that we will step out in faith. As a congregation, we've gone through that. We've seen changes. We've experienced changes, wanted and not wanted. 
those things that even in the midst now that we move through change and transitioning on to a new phase of the Spirit's life through us and within us. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, it cannot be ignored. The new age came with Jesus and it continues by the power of the Spirit as he continues Jesus' work in us and through us. Let's go with it. Let's go with it. It's a challenging time, yes, but it is, by God's moving, a great time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.